Section 17 of Sketches of the Fair Sex in All Parts of the World. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Summer Days. Sketches of the Fair Sex in All Parts of the World by Anonymous. Wedded love is infinitely preferable to variety. Hail, wedded love, mysterious law, true source of human offspring, sole propriety, in paradise of all things common else. By thee, adulterous lust was driven from men, among the bestial herds to range, by thee, founded in reason, loyal, just and pure, relations dear, and all the charities of father, son, and brother first were known. Thou art the fountain of domestic sweets, whose bed is undefiled and chaste pronounced. Here love his golden shafts employs, here lights his constant lamp, and waves his purple wings, reigns here and revels. Not in the bought smile of harlots, loveless, joyless, unendeared, casual fruition, nor in court amours, mixed dance, or wanton mask, or midnight ball, or serenade, which the starved lover sings to his proud fair best quitted with disdain italian debauchery if chastity is none of the most shining virtues of the french it is still less so of the italians almost all the travellers who have visited italy agree in describing it as the most abandoned of all the countries of europe at venice at naples and indeed in almost every part of italy Women are taught from their infancy the various arts of alluring to their arms the young and unwary, and of obtaining from them, while heated by love or wine, everything that flattery and false smiles can obtain in those unguarded moments. And so little infamous is the trade of prostitution, and so venal the women, that hardly any rank or condition set them above being bribed to it. Nay, they are frequently assisted by their male friends and acquaintances to drive a good bargain nor does their career of debauchery finish with their unmarried state the vows of fidelity which they make at the altar are like the vows and oaths made upon too many other occasions only considered as nugatory forms which law has obliged them to take but custom absolved them from performing they even claim and enjoy greater liberties after marriage than before every married woman has a chichis bay or gallant who attends her to all public places hands her in and out of her carriage, picks up her gloves or fan, and a thousand other little offices of the same natures. But this is only his public employment, as a reward for which he is entitled to have the lady as often as he pleases, at a place of retirement sacred to themselves, where no person, not even the most intrusive husband, must enter, to be witness of what passes between them. This has been considered by people of other nations as a custom not altogether consistent with chastity and purity of manners. The Italians themselves, however, endeavor to justify it in their conversations with strangers, and Baretti has of late years published a formal vindication of it to the world. In this vindication he has not only deduced the original of it from pure platonic love, but would willingly persuade us that it is still continued upon the same mental principles a doctrine which the world will hardly be credulous enough to swallow even though he should offer more convincing arguments to support it than he has already done
naked fakirs so different over all the world are the sects of saints as well as of sinners that besides the brahmins a set of innocent and religious priests who have rendered their women virtuous by treating them with kindness and humanity there are another sect of religio-philosophical drones called fakirs who contribute as much as they can to debauch the sex under a pretense of superior sanctity these hypocritical saints like some of the ridiculous sects which formerly existed in europe wear no clothes considering them only as proper appendages to sinners who are ashamed because they are sensible of guilt while they being free from every stain of pollution have no shame to cover in this original state of nature these idle and pretended devotees assemble together sometimes in armies of ten or twelve thousand and under a pretence of going in pilgrimage to certain temples like locusts devour everything on their way the men flying before them and carrying all that they can out of the reach of their depredations while the women not in the least afraid of a naked army of lusty saints throw themselves in their way or remain quietly at home to receive them it has long been an opinion well established all over india that there is not in nature so powerful a remedy for removing the sterility of women as the prayers of these sturdy naked saints on this account barren women constantly apply to them for assistance which when the good-natured fakir has an indication to grant he leaves his slipper or his staff at the door of the lady's apartment with whom he is praying a symbol so sacred that it effectually prevents any one from violating the secrecy of their devotion but should he forget the signal and at the same time be distant from the protection of his brethren a sound drubbing is frequently the reward of his pious endeavours but though they venture sometimes in hindostan to treat a fakir in this unholy manner in other parts of asia and africa such is the veneration in which these lusty saints are held that they not only have access when they please to perform private devotions with barren women but are accounted so holy that they may at any time in public or private confer a personal favour upon a woman without bringing upon her either shame or guilt and no woman dare refuse to gratify their passion nor indeed has any one an inclination of this kind because she upon whom this personal favour has been conferred is considered by herself and by all the people as having been sanctified and made more holy by the action so much concerning the conduct of the fakirs in debauching women seems certain but it is by travellers further related that wherever they find a woman who is exceedingly handsome they carry her off privately to one of their temples but in such a manner as to make her and the people believe that she is carried away by the god who is there worshipped who being violently in love with her took that method to procure her for his wife this done they perform a nuptial ceremony and make her further believe that she is married to the god when in reality she is only married to one of the fakirs who personates him women who are treated in this manner are revered by the people as the wives of the god and by that stratagem secured solely to the fakirs who have cunning enough to impose themselves as gods upon some of these women through the whole of their lives in countries where reason is stronger than superstition we almost think this impossible where the contrary is the case there is nothing too hard to be credited something like this was done by the priests of ancient greece and rome and a few centuries ago tricks of the same nature were practised by the monks and other libertines upon some of the visionary and enthusiastic women of europe 
hence we need not think it strange if the fakirs generally succeed in attempts of this nature when we consider that they only have to deceive a people brought up in the most consummate ignorance and that nothing can be more flattering to a female vanity than for a woman to suppose herself such a peculiar favourite of the divinity she worships as to be chosen from all her companions to the honour of being admitted to his embraces a favour which her self-admiration will dispose her more readily to believe than examine mahomedan plurality of wives but it is not the religion of the hindus only that is unfavourable to chastity that of Mohammed, which now prevails over a great part of India, is unfavorable to it likewise. Mohammedanism everywhere indulges men with a plurality of wives while it ties down the women to the strictest conjugal fidelity. Hence, while the men riot in unlimited variety, the women are in great numbers confined to share among them the scanty favors of one man only. This unnatural and impolitic conduct induces them to seek by art and intrigue what they are denied by the laws of their prophet as polygamy prevails over all asia this art and intrigue follow as a consequence of it some have imagined that it is the result of climate but it rather appears to be the result of the injustice which women suffer by polygamy for it seems to reign as much in constantinople and in every other place where polygamy is in fashion as it does on the banks of the ganges or the indus the famous Montesquieu, whose system was that the passions are entirely regulated by the climate, brings as proof of the system a story from the collection of voyages for the establishment of an East India Company, in which it is said that at Patan, quote, the wanton desires of their women are so outrageous that the men are obliged to make use of a certain apparel to shelter them from their designs, end quote. Were this story really true, it would be but a partial proof of the effect of the climate, for why should the burning suns of Patan only influence the passions of the fair? Why should they there transport that sex beyond decency, which in all other climates is the most decent, and leave in so cool and defensive a state that sex which in all other climates is apt to be the most offensive and indecent? To whatever length the spirit of intrigue may be carried in Asia and Africa, however the passions of the women may prompt them to excite desire and to throw themselves in the way of gratification we have the strongest reasons to reprobate all these stories which would make us believe that they are so lost to decency as to attack the other sex such a system would be overturning nature and inverting the established laws by which she governs the world end of section seventeen recording by summer days